Welcome to episode 55 of the Department of Metal Antiquities, the podcast where we unearth forgotten albums by your favorite artists. Today we are talking about some Quiet Riot action, and we will get to that later. Uh, if you are listening to this for the first time because it is Quiet Riot, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. And if you have been listening for a while now, also, thank you very much for downloading this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. We are uh, over a year into this endeavor, and very, very grateful for all the support we have gotten over the months, and hope you are digging it. I uh, want to give a couple shout outs to some podcasts that I really have enjoyed. Uh, one is called Python Up the Misses. Been listening to that on uh, marathoning that one lately. Uh, interesting podcast where a husband and wife watch Monty Python and the wife has never seen it. So interesting stuff there for me. And of course, my good friend Darren in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, doing the fourth line voice. Whenever I watch a hockey game in this day and age, I cannot help but think of him. He talks about old-time hockey and the role of the enforcer. Uh, he also insults me, not personally, but he insults me pretty regularly because I'm one of those people that uh, don't like modern-day hockey nearly as much as I like the old-time stuff, but I cannot stop, cannot stop uh, watching watching the Blues play hockey. Um, it is what it is. Also, uh, check out uh, Alec at uh, Five for Fighting out of Fort Myers, Florida. He is another person doing old-time hockey podcast. Totally something I think that everybody should be checking out. They do a lot of cool interviews and reviews and talk to people. I think it's cool stuff, especially if you are into that old-time hockey feeling. And for uh, musicians in the crowd, check out the C-Squared podcast. It is a music industry podcast that helps people grow their followings and grow everything there. I listen to them as well, and I've used all of their all of their advice to great effect, and it's really helped me. And I guess with that, there's not a whole lot, a whole lot more to say, except we cue the music. And welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron of Glacial Musical, joined by Duncan Evans of Duncan Evans Music, Moonlow, Waxworm, and who knows what else. Before we say anything else, let me say, as this is, Happy Halloween. This will be coming out just a couple of days before the big day. Indeed, Happy Halloween, and I, I believe that's also... About Oh, there was a big um, crash explosion. I hope your house didn't just fall apart um, right there, Nick. I just dropped my water. Okay, that's cool. Um, so I hope that's not a euphemism. So, um, yes, I believe... <laughs> no, not a euphemism. Halloween, Halloween is also Sawin, um, which just uh, links back to a previous record we did by the band Sawin, spelt Samhain. Um, so happy that as well, if you are celebrating uh, such things. Um, so who were we listening to there, Nick? Before you answer, I'm going to say, I think it sounded... 
almost like um, uh, it sounded like it was probably a more modern band, but influenced perhaps by 80s sort of new wave-ish stuff, maybe influenced a little bit perhaps by stuff like Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. Um, I don't know, man. You can tell me. Interesting. That is a gentleman by the name of Sam Huber. He is from Helsinki, Finland. He is a member of the True Groove All-Stars, which is uh, a label uh, run out of New York City by Thomas Donker, who is a very, very talented gentleman. They, The way they describe the music they do is global soul. It's a little funky, a little bluesy, a little poppy, a little bit of everything. And this was uh, an album that uh, Tomas uh, sent to me for a vinyl review years ago. And he felt so bad that it was being delayed. He actually sent me test pressings to do my review. Wow. And then he ended up sending me the actual record as well when it was released. So a uh, big shout out to uh, Tomas and Sam and can't wait to hear what they got coming up next. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interesting stuff. All right. So what are we talking about today then, Nick? Because, of course, it is Halloween. We are doing some Halloweeny stuff. Well, I mean, anything we do is Halloweeny. So, but what we have today is a ma- uh, a band with a masked mascot. That would be Quiet Riot, which this would be, I believe, the second Quiet Riot album we've done. We did um, yep. Quiet Riot Two from the Randy Rhodes years, which was a yep. bin it, unfortunately, even though it uh, featured the inimitable Randy Rhodes. But we are doing their. It's hard to describe, you know, what number album this is of theirs because the the two Andy Rhodes albums were from the '70s, and nobody in America heard them unless the band was selling them at their gigs, which I don't even know if they did that, especially back in the '70s. So but, essentially, this is either the fourth or second album, depending on how you look at it, isn't it? Correct. I believe most people would consider the 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 previous album. Um, Metal Health to be their debut because it was their major label debut. It was their American debut. And honestly, it was an entirely different band apart from Kevin Dubrow. Nobody, no, I mean, nobody that was on Quiet Riot 2 except for Kevin was on this album or the pre or the previous. So it's a different band. They just kept the name basically, even though they use some of the same songs on the previous album. So we'll call this one their sophomore effort. As anybody my age would remember, Quiet Riot was freaking everywhere with their with with metal health. Bang Your Head was a ginormous hit, and then the fu- and then uh, also their Slade cover "Come On Feel the Noise" enormous hit, and they were the first metal band in America to really break out as being metal. Uh, this is a thing, and especially the Sunset Strip. Even though, obviously, Van Halen was first, but Van Halen, I never considered them to be metal, even hair metal or glam metal. I just always considered them a rock band. Yeah, interesting you say that, because I believe just doing my research for this podcast episode right now, I was I was looking and seeing that in the 70s, before either band had uh, been signed, Quiet Riot and Van Halen apparently had quite a rivalry. Um, so they, they were considered to be sort of in the same category. They were competing against each other. 
Um, and then it was Van Halen that really struck big and Quiet Riot just didn't in the 70s. Those albums were not released in the US or anywhere out of Japan. And they're and then, still not released here. Yep, exactly. And eventually they, of course, did strike big in a different way. And I guess, you know, Metal Health was very self-consciously a metal album. You know, they, they moved from the hard rock um, and they were doing 80s metal. And yeah, so there we are. That the, the idea that Van Halen and Quiet Riot were competitors back in the 70s really makes me understand something Randy Rhodes said in an interview during his very brief term uh, in the spotlight before his untimely death. And he had said, I go on stage every night and I play the same notes that Eddie Van Halen plays and it kills me. Wow. I never okay. really knew that. So that makes a lot of sense, but we're not here to talk about quiet. Or we're not here to talk about Randy Rose. We're here to talk about quiet riot. So this album, like I said, it, it's it basically it's their follow up. It is, and what happens when a band has one of those gigantic hits? You well, sorry, yeah, I was, I was sorry. Go ahead. I know you were probably going to finish that. I, I no, I was, I was, I was, so, I, I was still working out my thoughts. If you've got your thoughts ready, go ahead. Well, it feels like a lot of the time they try and do the same thing again and repeat that success, but it often just doesn't quite work because they've already done that thing. Everyone already likes it. So if you try and do it again, it's just not going to be as good. It's going to feel like a copy. And, um, you know, it's, it's that difficult thing where you, you, you kind of you still need to be the same band, but you've got to move on from where you were. And by changing your style a little bit or adding things to it, that might alienate fans. There's going to. We have just had yeah, so, the worst trouble with the internet lately, so we're going to... This might sound a bit disjointed, because it is. Go ahead, Duncan. Yes, um, so I think I was talking about the whole sophomore album thing, yes. trying to follow up a massive, big hit first album, which essentially Metal Health was... And there's a lot of pressure to repeat the success and there's a lot of pressure to not stray too far stylistically from what the first album did because that was where the success came from. But of course, the problem is you then limit yourself and you often end up just doing a worse version of the first album because all of those ideas have already been done. So, yeah, that often happens. Uh, that is absolutely correct. And the, the difference between a band that sticks around after a hit and fades away after a hit typically is when that hit comes. Think about Metallica. Metallica's first hits didn't come until five years into their recording career. So they had already been building up a fan base for years. Think about Kiss, who had been touring nonstop for years before a live hit. And then think about Quiet Riot, who played at the Starwood every Friday for years 
then they yep. broke through. So there's no there's no base to fall back on when you have one of these giant hits. And as in, in 1983, which is when this album came out, you also had bands like Iron Maiden breaking big. You had Metallica starting their their run. You had Motorhead doing the scuzzy stuff. You had more. It, you had more than just the Sunset Strip. And I think a big part of what created the idea that heavy metal is Sunset Strip is the fact that all these bands just started going bang, bang, bang. So you had Quiet Riot that hits. You hit, Then you have Rat that hits. Then you have Poison that hits. Then you have Whitesnake that hits with a more Sunset Strippy kind of sound. And then you have Quiet Riot Rat, coming back. Rat and Poison should have... So, I'm really sorry to interject with this nonsense, but Rat and Poison should have done a collaboration or a split album called Rat Poison. Anyway. Wow. Okay, that was nonsense. Moving on. <laughs> Again, Duncan <laughs> is a dad now, so he has to make dad jokes. It just happens. Once, yep. once you have a kid, dad jokes just start flowing. Oh. Yeah, over overnight. Yeah, sorry. These these ideas just popped into my head. Yeah, sorry, Nick. I just completely. Oh, let me also phone. say I, I've been seeing the pictures of of the baby, and it just adorable. Seeing somebody else rem- makes me remember all of those wonderful times I had when my daughter was a baby, and I'm also makes me happy that I'm not dealing with that anymore. So you know, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> hope everything's going well. Yeah, hope man, you are okay. adjusting and. Because it's a big adjustment. But it's all great. Yeah, no, it's so so far so good. It's every day is an adventure, you know. Um, yes, I yeah, do. She, she's been um, she's been here um, while I've been doing some studio stuff today. Um, she's been getting involved in the recording process, so that was uh, <laughs> that was great. You know, just having to record a few little punch-ins, um, just waiting for the time when I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I can not be interrupted by screens. But the, the good thing is she kind of likes music. So usually when I'm actually playing the guitar or something, she calms down and we do we do little songs and things um, which she <laughs> seems to like. So uh, that's awesome. That so yeah, awesome. it's going great. And I'm sorry, you were talking about the Sunset Strip yeah, and so, Rat Hit and all this. Yeah, so Rat Hits, Van Halen completely explodes around this time with 1984. Kiss has gone full hair metal already. They started it with Lick It Up, and then they went into crazy amounts of hair metal on Animal Eyes. And all of a sudden, this sound that was unique on Metal Health is now very, very vanilla and everywhere. So what should they do? That's, that's I mean, that's a very serious stylistic question that I don't know that I would be able to answer that. But because they're a one-hit, one, because they, you know, broke through on the first one hit without building up a base, they have no base. They're not, they haven't been planting the seeds. So what happens if half the people that loved you stopped loving you because you were a flavor of the month to them? You were just top 40. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that well, is why this is a forgotten album. Yeah. Right, and that's what makes so this it's one still forgotten. Sold over, yeah, it's still sold over a million copies, but in comparison, that was like a sixth of the amount they sold or number they sold um, of Metal Health. Um, yeah, and, and also 
critically, it didn't do too great. There were a lot of mixed reviews. There were some good ones. Um, I think the, the funniest and most striking one was Rolling Stone, who infamously gave a two-word review. And th this album is called Condition Critical, by the way. I don't know if we said that or not. But the Rolling Stone review was Condition Terminal. I was going to tell that story. Oh, uh, well, I'm sorry, Nick. I, I have stolen your thunder. I will also one. say that that um, review was referenced in the upcoming movie, Spinal Tap, where yes, they Spinal Tap got a, a review of their album Shark Sandwich in just two words, which was shit sandwich. Yes, of course. And I had not put two and two together and realized that that's uh, where it came from. It has to be. Uh, I mean, it, it has know to about be. this album, but of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. So, yeah, and there was, uh, yeah, quite a lot of mixed ones. Um, a lot of people saying that, that there was another Slade cover. As, again, track two is a Slade cover, just like it was on uh, the previous album. Quite a few reviews saying the Slade cover was the best thing on here, which is, you know, that's a difficult thing to hear, isn't it? Like the best track on your album is the one that you didn't write. And okay. you only so, did it in the first place because you did one on the first album and you didn't even want to do that. You were forced into doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I didn't realize that or I'd forgotten that. But yeah. Um, also, apparently, um, Dubrow had been quite combative towards many music journalists. Um, oh, yeah. And apparently fellow metal musicians as well. So he labeled the magazine Hit Parader as being akin to toilet paper. So I remember you know, that interview. That's not going to help. Yeah, that's not going to help you to get more positive reviews, is it? Um, so, yes, it peaked at number 15, which, you know, that that you know, that's pretty impressive or it would be for a lot of bands. But this was a massive dip for for these guys. Um, and I believe that this was really the start of their initial decline, really. Well, their decline I don't think they ever got it back. Their decline came hard and fast. I mean, it they just fell off a cliff. This with being a million seller, it is an unequivocal hit. Let's not let's not call it anything other than that because it is. You know, if you get a platinum album, that's a great thing, no matter how many platinum albums you sold before. Awesome. But to go from yeah. diamond to platinum is a dip. And then 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 they make the colossal mistake that so many bands make. Big hit, follow up getting ready to tour. So what do they do? They get the most expensive stage show they could possibly get. Yeah. Half the stuff doesn't even work. They had laser beams that would work, as Kevin put it, once a week. Nice. And But they're still paying for it nightly because you've still got the guys trying to set it up every night. And so on a platinum record, they lost their ass on the tour. Yeah, yeah. That's not this good. This is all very Spinal Tap. Yeah, this is all very Spinal Tap. Um, oh, yeah. The, the audience yeah. got much more so, selective. Absolutely. And we can just see these excesses and this, this ridiculous stuff that starts to happen more and more. I guess, you know, in the, in the 70s, there was excessive stuff going on in all sorts of ways in the world of rock. But in the 80s, 
sometimes it started to become a parody of itself, you know, and um, e even just talking about uh, that, that thing there about the stage show, you know, yes, Led Zeppelin had this amazing stage show, same with Pink Floyd, but when it starts to get more and more outlandish and then you can't really afford to keep it running and things are breaking down and stuff's just becoming ridiculous, then yeah, that's when Spinal Tap had to happen. There's also a big difference between having a giant stage show when you're in a, a full stadium versus a giant stage show in a half-filled arena. Yeah, in, in America, totally a stadium agree. is 60,000 people. An arena yep. is 12. So mm -hmm. when you have five times the number of ticket buyers who bought all the tickets, okay, if, maybe if the pig doesn't work this week, it's not that big of a deal. You can absorb that loss. Of course, then Pink Floyd goes and does the wall and loses their ass because they didn't want to do big stadiums. Or Roger didn't want to do stadiums. Yeah, but, indeed, indeed. You know, choices, choices. And that's, and I, I think that's kind of the story of this album is what choices do you make after being such a bona fide hit? Oh, a literal overnight sensation. Sure, sure. So what did they do? Well, and I think we just need to find out because, yeah, I, I read about all this and I thought, OK, well, let's find out what the music is actually like and let's just judge it on that. Um, so shall we roll into the track by track? I am ready for side one. OK, so track one, Sign of the Times. So, well, you can go first, I guess, Nick. What do you think of this? I think Duncan saw my eye roll and is expecting something really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of interesting stuff on this, but it, it starts off really good and heavy, and Kevin's vocals are amazing. He is yeah. the absolute perfection of the hair metal, glam metal, sunset strip scene to me. He's melodic, he's powerful, and he's a little bit gritty. He's not the quality singer that, say, uh, Stephen Piercy of Rat is, or Brett Michaels of Poison is, or Paul Stanley of Kiss is, because Kiss is about to go crazy hair metal, too. And it's got some really good guitar leads. I mean, Randy, um, Carlos, Carlos on this album is amazing. My, Kevin, If Kevin's the MVP, Carlos is, is the Lady Bing winner. That's an NHL reference. Uh, the Lady Bing usually goes to the player who didn't win the MVP but could have. So, right, yeah, and the heart yeah, trophy so for most valuable. Yeah, Cavazzo, yeah, Carlos yeah, Cavazzo. I, I agree that his guitar playing on this record is very, very good indeed. For the most uh, part, for the most part, the, the lead guitar stuff oh, generally yeah. excellent and very varied. Um. But shall I give my view on this? Hang on, I have one more. I have one more thing yeah. to say on this one. They went waist deep into the gang choruses, the big, oh yes, gang chorus, which I don't yeah. remember Metal Health having quite so much of it. Maybe I'm just confused, but the big gang choruses weren't a thing in the '70s, and you know, here we, you know, we're. We're comparing this a lot to the 70s because we're not that far from the end of the 70s era. The eras always go a couple of years into the next decade, in my opinion. So 
not a bad song. Good song. You know, it's a good starter. It's heavy. It's it's heavy. It's got the good metal leads. It's got a good metal vocal. Not a bad start. Terrible lyrics. Uh, yes. I mean, yes, that's a running theme. Yes, it okay, is. Okay, look, uh, so we've got some driving hard rock riffs. Uh, like, like you said, some great vocals, some interesting guitar arpeggios. Then it starts to go a bit weak melodically, and I start to think, oh, okay. That's also then a running goes, theme. Yes. Then it goes very glam pop metal. I mean, yes, I know that's what they are. So part of this is that I'm just... Okay, look, I can, I can appreciate glam pop metal, but for me to actually like it, it's got to be really good, really good, or, or have just the right balance of humour about it. Um I don't know. Yeah, Same. the lyrics I've written lyrics appear to be terrible. Like just a, an example, having fun all the time. Yeah, okay. And then the vocals actually start to go a bit wrong and strained towards the end, I hmm. thought. And I just thought, you know what? The, the the problem I've got is that this has been done a lot, lot better. It feels a bit tired. Um the solo is good, you know, it goes a bit proggy, very twiddly solo. But then we get this more and more um, sections happening that feel unnecessary. Like there's this bass and drum breakdown that I thought was at the end. So I'm like, why do we need this bit at the end? And I'm like, running, oh, another running verse. theme on yeah. this record. And then it's like, there's another verse. Okay. And I'm like, no, we don't need this. And then I looked and the song's five minutes long and we're only three minutes 30 in. And then I've I've put I just cannot get behind this third rate cheese nonsense. I I did not see the times because I listened to this one on vinyl. As always, I try to recommend records for this show that I already have on vinyl, and because I like I I don't try to I don't try to be contrarian or you know such a hipster like oh you haven't heard Quiet Riot's third album oh what do you know I mean I don't, I'm not that guy completely. But so I, I wasn't looking at the times, but yeah, this song is over long. And that is another running theme. This, I mean, this song, I think, kind of encapsulates this entire record. Yes. Good, not great. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't really think there's much point in its existence. And that sounds hard. <laughs> Wow. The, the, the problem for me, Nick, is that... <laughs> I'm sorry. That is... Wow. For, for an English person to say, be that direct and that... Let's move on. We'll, we'll get to the sum just, up. I can't, I can't get behind it. I, I don't think... That there's just not enough going on here. It is, it's the... Look, I get it. It's kind of meant to be cheesy. It's meant to be poppy, but this is third rate, man. We just don't need this. This is this has been done so much better by Quiet Riot, even. You know, we don't need this. Um, so, okay, let's move on. Track two, Mama, We're All Crazy Now, which is the Slade song. And because I was uh, watching this, sorry, listening to this, but watching is the key word here, um, on YouTube, the, the, it actually went to the video, the music video for this song. God, that's a weird called, video. I mean... I've put here, I'm just going to say my uh, my opinion on this. So, yeah, the video is frankly ludicrous. It seems to embody <laughs> all the worst elements of 80s hair metal and cheese rock and none of the good ones. It's <laughs> all the bad bits. Like, you can watch a Guns N' Roses video, and yes, it's cheesy. And I know it's a bit later in the 80s, but it's cheesy. It's got all those tropes, but it's somehow 
it's it's sort of cool as well. Whereas this is like a joke. It is like Spinal Tap. If if this was meant to be a joke, I mean, I'm laughing at it. You know, I'm I'm sorry. You know, Quiet Riot, Quiet Riot members that are still with us. You know, I apologise, but this is this is terrible. This is. I mean, it was amusing, but no, this is this is what was wrong with eighties rock, um, visually at least. Um, I- I think we're going to have very different perspectives on this album because slight age difference and not a significant age difference today, but in 1984, very significant. Duncan. Well, given that I was not born at that point in time. Yes. Oh, you're younger than you're younger than I thought. Okay. Definitely a significant age difference. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I, I was thought, not even in the womb at this point in time. Oh, crap. So, so I'm yes. like a decade older than you. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> feeling old, feeling old. Um, well, it sounds like you had your kid about the same time I had mine at my age. So, okay, good. Okay. Oh, anyway, well, moving there on. And also, uh, there's a really strong George Orwell vibe in America at this time because it's 1984. So... That is that video. It's that joy. It's an Orwellian video about us yeah. for a song about being silly. Yeah. And then also it starts off with the whole condition critical thing, like the, the, the guys in hospital and then he gets rushed somewhere else. And then the character, the metal mask starts mm-hmm. singing oh, yeah. and it's like, what is this? And then, yeah, then you've got this kind of version of a bit like the Pink Floyd, the wall concept oh, yeah. of all, all these indoctrinated figures that are, you know, in a totalitarian society. And then, oh, yeah. and then you are the in, destined- you are in the ministry of victory right there. Uh, that's yeah. actually not there. You know, it, I imagine if anybody, if any of them were smoking, they were smoking their victory cigarettes and it's the ministry. They're in the ministry of truth. I believe that was the, that, that was, was the, the ministry of truth. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Basically you're in the ministry of truth and a giant heavy metal mask is singing about being crazy. Yeah. And then it, but then this rock band are on stage just looking ridiculous. And I, I mean, it is ridiculous. I, you know, I know that, 80s rock fashion is often described as ridiculous but look i could if when i watch iron maiden it's ridiculous but it's still cool when it is I not cool it is, it is completely okay. ridiculous for when me when i watch led zeppelin it's ridiculous but it's still cool yes when i watch guns and roses it's ridiculous but it's still cool yes when i watch these guys this is not cool this is em- going past that it's embarrassing to watch i feel yes. bad for them Yes, um, absolutely. Yes, for sure, man, for sure. But the, uh, the one thing we haven't talked about is actually the song. <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's a splendid <laughs> song. So, you know, it's a good song. It's got some good melodies, great chorus. Amazing solos, hair metal like, solos. Yeah, yeah. But somehow the arrangement and delivery and production, to me, it just kind of feels a bit cheap and throwaway. It's like, it's fine, but it could be any of 10,000 other third-rate 80s rock bands. Uh, so yeah, it's okay. It's a good song, but it doesn't for me. It's it's just total hair metal party vibes, and yeah. you know, and and I I lived through this and I remember these things, so I I have a bit more nostalgia. I have nostalgia for it that you can never have because you see it out of context now. When we all look back at that and go like, Ugh. like I, Ozzy Osbourne in the bumblebee suit, I don't think anybody's saying he needs to go back to that. For sure, man. For sure. Um, yeah, 
Okay, should we move on to the other one, um, which had a video, which I have not seen the video, although I imagine um, it's probably not that different. I can't um, imagine the video for this song is any good and worth watching. Yeah, so party all night. So, party all night, yeah. Cool. Okay, to begin with, this? this is a song about going out and drinking from a guy who drank iced tea out of a Jack Daniels bottle on stage. So work that out. Ah, right. Yeah, I remember this story. I'd forgotten it, but right. So he was, so, right. So he was, so he, that's what he did. So he didn't actually drink at all, or he just didn't drink very much and wanted to look like he was drinking. I, he, cool. I don't believe he wanted, I don't know if he drank at all or not, but I mean, I think the message is that he wanted to look like he was drinking like Jimmy Page without yeah. losing his, yeah. without losing his head. I don't know for sure. And, you know, he's gone, so I can't ask him. Now that is really interesting. That just sounds to me like that. That's the vibe I get from this record. It's like, look, I want to be, I want to be this big bad um, outlaw rock and roll sort of guy. But actually, I'm sort of acting that, and I'm not really that. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I, I did feel. Quite a lot of that going on um yeah and so that, that's yeah, exactly no, well, who he was well i mean the what i put was why well, this was yeah. the first song where i really noticed the lyrics and oh god uh the phrase i put in here is these are putrid then on top of that you have a boring well-worn rock riff just that kind of stuff and with better lyrics it probably could have carried the song a little bit better, but nobody really did well. I mean, Kevin sang it well, but it's a bad song. There's just nothing. There's nothing about it where I can say, "Oh no, no, there's something here." There's just nothing there. It is bad. I mean, the lyrics. I have to say, the, what, there was one line that stood out, and I actually thought, "Wow, that's quite interesting." Which is, "My head is a lampshade." I kind of liked that. Oh, uh, exactly no, sure that didn't. Means, no, I, no, I, I, I can tell you what it means. You, you oh, okay, is, that, is this a, okay. That's an American party trope back in the day. In okay. 70s and 80s, when you were the life of the party and you got really drunk, you put somebody's lampshade. When you're at the party, you take the lampshade and you put it on your head and walk around with I it. I get it. Right, so it's not as cool as I thought it was. No, it's um, totally I thought he was not. Talking about like how he felt inside his head, but um, nope. no, I mean, look, what I, I just love, I love these lyrics. Into, I mean, I don't, you know, they're not good, but I, I just like how restrained. It's like rock and roll recklessness, but restrained. So driving right way on the wrong side, but you know, hey, we're still driving the right way, and then a bit too much to drink. Like, you, you know what I mean? Not completely blasted, a bit too much. Like, you know, we've, we we went up to the limit, then we had one more sip, and we've had a bit too much to drink. And then he goes, women in the back seat, and they don't know what to think. And that's it. Like, that that's the rock and roll story. Okay. That really they doesn't make a whole... I, that, that definitely sounds like... Uh, have you ever seen the 40-year-old version? I actually haven't seen that, no. Okay, well, there's a sequence where the 40-year-old virgin is describing what he likes when he's with the fair sex, which he obviously never had been. So he's, like, trying to explain it, like, oh, you grab him and it's like a big bag of sand. 
And that's kind of like what this is. This is this guy who's not a rock and roll party dude trying to paint this picture of being a rock and roll party dude without knowing what yeah, it is. For sure, man. And yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, it's like a parody of, of 80s rock. The, oh, know, yeah. the chorus oh, yeah. starts, it, it seems okay. Then the chorus starts and it just repeats let's party all night in a really upbeat gang chorus, really cheesy sort of way. And it's like, I, I, and I've put, it's utterly trite, weak, toothless and laughable. Um, but, but then I've put, okay, I suppose it could be described as fun. You know, maybe you can get into the spirit of it, but I just think there's so much better fun rock out there. If you just, you know, it, not, it doesn't always have to be super serious and dark. Fine. I get that. But there's better fun rock. I think Duncan is angry with me because he has just really put the <laughs> knife into every song so far. Okay, let's see how this continues. Uh, Stomp your hands, clap your feet. <laughs> when I wrote down the title on that, as I was listening to it, I went, "Wait a minute, is that right?" And then I looked at the I looked at the sleeve, and yeah, that's the title. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it starts yeah. off stomping, well, which is nice. Yeah, can I just interject on the title? Yeah. Sorry, I, I will let you do your um, your analysis first. But the, the title, I thought, that's quite cool. You know, at least they've done, it's not just clap your hands, stomp your feet. They've turned it around. So it's not just completely generic. And then I read on Wikipedia, the track, Stomp Your Hands, Clap Your Feet, shares its title with the original American title to Slave's 1974 album, Old, New, Borrowed and Blue. So they stole that title from... So a lot of the good things on this album, they took from Slade, including this title. So there so you go. Everything you like about this album, you find out something. <laughs> and, and then you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, the lampshade thing was cool until you told me what it was. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, there's going to be a few other bits where I'm going to say, hey, I liked this bit, and you're going to just throw something in there, and I'll go, oh, yeah, okay. No, it wasn't even them. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I like, so, the, I like the way this song starts off. It's a good drum stomp. And, you know, it's got a much better riff than the preceding song. A bit, the big gang vocal chorus. And, I mean, that just gets tiresome when it's all the time. And on this record, it's all the time. And even though it's all the time, I mention it every time. And then the bass playing, or the, the double bass. There's some double great double basing on this record that I never really noticed before. And that's, it's got like a... Double kick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I didn't really, I wasn't paying attention to that. I didn't notice that. But yeah, cool. Well, I, I would be great surprised. Jazz, in general, great drumming. Some great drumming. Oh, yeah. I'd be surprised if you could honestly, and that's uh, from Frankie Benali, uh, RIP, who died last year of pancreatic cancer. Um, but I would be surprised if you could hear it not on vinyl, honestly. Because, like, if you go to Discogs and try to buy this album, there are more vinyl copies being sold than CD copies. And so in that era, they when they started putting those original, when they started doing CDs originally, they didn't know how to master for analog recordings. So you, it really yeah. blunted a lot of the sounds. 
Right. But anyway, right. you know, not a bad yeah. song, not a great song. It, it it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, look, for me, I've, I've, I've put, it's, it starts off all right, it's okay, and it, almost like a power pop type of way. And then I've said, oh, well, no, maybe not really. And then, no, it just, no, this gets awful. And then the, 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 there's a good solo that's well executed, but it but it's very generic, all this stuff. Um, I kind of like it when there's a little breakdown where you've just got the drums and there's like a whoa-whoa bit, kind of like that. But then the silly chorus comes back in. And I just couldn't help thinking, this is like a bad kids TV thing. I, like, I did not like the whoa, guys, whoa, for the record. Like, you didn't like that? I kind of like that. I don't know why. I'm like, what are you, um, the trooper but, now? Um, I think I was clutching the straws trying to find something to like. Look, I didn't <laughs> like the song at all, really, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. They can't I, all be winners. Know, no. Well, hey, we're going to find out about that because Winners Take All is the next track. Last track on side side one. Okay, so I'll go on this one then. You so go look, it's a terrible ballad. <laughs> it starts terrible. It's a <laughs> Then, after it started terrible, a stupid flute sound comes in. And it's like, oh, God, it's like you can see how they've gone away. What did Led Zeppelin do on Stairway to Heaven? Oh, they have like arpeggios and then they bring flutes in and it's really cool. So let's just do that. But no, not like this. Let's it's do like, that, but not do like it as well. Yeah, it's like full emotion, nonsense, sentimentality. Then it goes into a kind of heavy rock ballad. It's horrible. And also the lyrics don't make any sense. We won't take no more because we're winners and winners take it all. Are you taking more or are you not taking it all? I don't, who knows? Um, it just carries on. It's like motivational 80s movie montage music um the solos are well played um they are very technically good but i just cannot get behind it sorry it just it feels false to me it feels like let's do a ballad because ballads sell well oh what can we write about just absolutely nothing um but let's make it sound like really heartfelt and put a flute on it that'll be cool <laughs> no it's not it. cool <laughs> well for me yeah i got a pretty similar response on this one tell you the truth um it starts off and it's like oh okay. he's feeling all these feelings and it's so sad and you've got that chorusy acoustic arpeggio that gets used by every other hair metal band a thousand million times going forward this might have been the first instance of that and he really sings it well. It's just terrible. And then all of a sudden it becomes an 80s anthem. How do you go from the sensitive, yeah. I got so many feelings ballad into this anthemic attempt at amazing rock? And yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. It's like this is this song doesn't work for me on any level. No, I agree. Lyrical highlights. Life's been good. Life's been bad. Now I know what I had. Okay. And sung in a really heartfelt, sort of over-the-top, sentimental way. Um, other lyrical highlight. Four lots of this stanza. Nah, 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 n
I mean, I'm being unfair because, of course, I'm I'm completely emasculating those lyrics by taking them away from their delivery, which, of course, na-na's and oohs and woes and all those things can be great in music. Don't get me wrong. I'm Are just, you familiar uh, with na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, hey, yeah. hey, goodbye. Yeah. That's what we sing in America in the in the in the stands when our team is winning a playoff game when they're yeah, winning a playoff yeah, series. So that's what he was That's what he was doing there. Unfortunately, what is this song? Is this the victory anthem? Is this the I got so many feelings sad song? So you, you can't put A and B together there, but he did anyway. Yeah, no, not not good, not good. So next track, so we're now on side two, aren't we, I believe? Yep, side two. Opens up with the title so, track, Condition Critical. The title track, Condition Critical, indeed. Well, tell us what you think, Nick. Well, it's, it's a slow drum stomp to start off with. And yep. it's like, are they building to something? Then the song gets really big, it's awesome. And then Kevin starts shrieking. Like he was like vaccinated without anybody telling him. And that just kind of like ruined everything for me. You know, it, it's building. Like, right. It's like, what the hell was that? Well, so. Okay. Have you got more to say on this? No, or? I'm good. I've, I've, I've gotten my bit out. Okay. Well, I think, okay. I think that that you just said there, the ah, ah, ah. This whole song for, for me is Led Zeppelin worship. And I feel that that is him trying to do the Robert Plant thing, of, you know, where Robert Plant just starts shrieking. And sometimes there's a word there. At other times, he's just kind of making noises. Oh. But it's kind of cool. It's Robert Plant. I, I feel that this is like Led Zeppelin worship and that's what's going on. Um, you know why and, Robert Plant could do those things? Yeah. Because he was Robert Plant. I thought you might say that. Yes. Yes, indeed. So look, it starts off and yeah, it's the drum stomp and it's like a bit of um, a John Bonham sound, like an 80s-ified John oh, Bonham sound. But I like yeah. It's the steady, the steady grooving drum thing. And then the riff comes in and it's like, you know what? This is all right. And then it's very Zeppelin-esque in the verse. Um, and uh, no, I mean, look, it's not as good as Led Zeppelin, but it's okay. There's even some slightly darker and grittier moments and there's some cool John Bonham-esque drum fills. So I would, for me, that was the best song yet by quite a long way. Um, the guitar solo, when it comes in, is really nice. Very Jimmy Page-esque. I think he's borrowed a few licks there. You know, on purpose. I feel it's a bit of a homage. Um, I, I think it's not terrible. It, this is an all right song. If the whole album was like this, I would quite like it. I think um, it's not terrible. I'm, so I'm kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I'm damning with faint praise there a bit. I mean, lyrics, I don't know. I mean, here's a snapshot of the lyrics. Condition critical, I'm feeling physical. Condition critical, not really cynical. Yeah. What does that mean? The not really cynical. That's what I don't get. I, 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 I mean, I was That reminds of, I was me of a it. poem. That reminds me of a poem I once read where it said, not just the loss of life, but also, also the loss of strife. Now, in fairness, I wrote that, but I didn't know what strife meant. So I thought I was being like really deep 
and turns out I was being really stupid. And that's what this is. I mean, I could, I, th- I think there's, I was actually going to say, you know, I, th- I think there's something there with that. I don't, that could, but it depends you, what you're trying to say. But that, okay, fair enough. If you fair want minute. it, you can have it. You can just take it and put it on the song. <laughs> Um, it's, that sounds almost Shakespearean, like, you know, there's uh, someone contemplating taking their own life and they're like, um, you know, this, See, this I, be a I, I think strife. what happened um, was, but anyway, I mistook strife for being part of strive, but it's not. I see. Yes. I see what you mean. Yeah. Very no. different, very different words. Very different words. Um, anyway, sure, sure. scream and shout. But yeah, 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 last one, Condition Critical. Could have had a minute trimmed off the end, oh, yeah. but I liked it. Some cool well, that's every song just about. stuff going on. It was more that. Most yeah, of these yeah, songs yeah. could have had about so, 30 to 60 seconds taken out. For sure, I agree. So Scream and Shout. Um, I can't remember whose turn it is to, to talk about this one. It might be mine. I don't know. So, well, I'm, I'm just, just going to go. So fa- you've got fast rock and roll groove, that kind of... With metalish harmonic riffs, so sort of, and I'm thinking, ah, this is interesting. This has got a bit of any energy. It's a little bit heavier. It feels like it's got a bit more grit, a bit more um, power. Um, look, it's still pretty generic hair metal. <sighs> then the problem is, it goes to the chorus, and it's like all the choruses seem to be so simple and basic. There's like nothing there. Just like scream and shout. Scream and shout. And you think this, this, I don't feel like it's inciting me to actually scream and shout. It just feels like, I, I don't know, man. It feels like the song you put in a, a show for very young children when you're trying, you're trying to show them what a rock band does. Like, hey, they dance around and they scream and shout. Like, it's so simplistic and sort of, I don't know, man. I don't know whether they were trying to do that to be to appeal to the masses because the, the simpler the better. I don't know, man. The solo section's got a bit more tension and energy. That was a bit better. So look, he's got his moments, but overall, eh, meh, I would say about this one. Wow. Um, you didn't know if they were trying to write a song for children to teach them about how rock stars act. Okay. That 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 is definitely a take I was not expecting today. Or any day, really. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's another up-tempo bass song. Kevin is doing, exploding all over this thing. His, his vocals are truly amazing. Awesome. And, but the rest of it is just, eh. It's like, wow, you've been yeah. doing all this stuff the whole time, and it's not any different than anything you've done. So here is your participation trophy, and we'll see you on the next track. Yeah. I, yeah, I just want to interject and say that, yeah, the, look, the vocals for the most part are absolutely brilliant. E- everything's really well performed. It's not like they can't do it. It's just what they're doing. It's just the material, really, and yeah. the approach to it and the production. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, okay. So, track eight, Red Alerts. Red Alert. Sounds wow. Scary. Apparently, in this studio, they had a synthesizer. And they yes. used it on this track and then went, no, we're going to do the rest of it without it. And then all of a sudden it yes. goes into this bluesy slide guitar solo. 
it's, this is just yes. this is just bad. It's it, it's this is an irredeemable uh, turd pile. Oh, <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to throw a curveball here because oh god, yes, it's bad. Synth sounds pretty terrible, but big drums, driving riffs, some of the vocals. Uh, there's some nice vocal ooze. I quite like them, but then it starts to sound like a kind of weak version of Motley Crue, and, and yeah, I'm, a, I'm kind of agreeing with you, Nick. But then. The slide guitar solo, this is cool. This is the best section of the entire what? album so far. And I think I'd probably say it's the best section of the entire record. I, I just just take out that slide guitar solo, that 30 seconds or whatever what? it is. It's great. Are you really high? Like yeah. <laughs> no, it, I, I really like it. I think it's interesting. It's bluesy. It's slick. It's um slimy. It's got punch. It's just a great solo, and the riffs behind it aren't the best in the world, but it doesn't actually matter that much because the solo is just brilliant. Um, rest of it, yeah, fine. Rest of it, bin it. But that solo, keep it. Uh, I don't know where to go from here. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll go on to Bad Boy. Yeah, so, okay, I've put this is so very unbad. Like this, ah, this is not... <laughs> Again, it's like, okay, what do rock stars write songs about? Being like bad and stuff. So let's just call it Bad Boy. And then, yeah, I mean, the lyrics are pretty bad. I, uh, um, I, I, the, best, I, the best one for me. Well, my behavior has been in question since the day that I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it's been in question. Like, you know, hmm. well a few questions to be asked but you know this is like this, that, this is like there's it. an episode there's an episode of there's an episode of one of my favorite cartoons called aquatine hunger force where uh one of the characters comes out wearing a, a gimp mask and a ball and a ball tie you know a ball gag yeah. and he says to the other character yeah i mean surely you've seen me wear this sometime well i didn't know i was supposed to but yeah i've seen it he's like just tell me i've been bad and the other and the meatwad's eyes just go big. Um, you have been acting up a lot lately, and that's this song. <laughs> I'm a bad boy. I've been yeah. acting out in class. <laughs> this is like it's anthrax. Savage. Anthrax. I I'm so bad. I should be in detention. But when anthrax did it, it was yeah. a joke. Yeah. I don't think this is a joke. No, but, oh, I don't. Exactly that. Like, if you're going to do this, just make it ridiculous, you know. Just make it absolutely ludicrous. Um, just and, talk about the yes. most awful things possible. Oh, over the top. Not, my behavior has been in question. I mean, come on, man. You know. Once so, I jaywalked yeah, when there no. were no cars around. But when there's cars exactly. around, I mean, I'm going to use the crosswalk. But I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, look, it just to be honest, it's just more generic nonsense. Yes. I'm yawning here. Um, the solo is pretty good. But, yeah, look, whatever. That's it. This song has all of the elements of a lot of the other songs. Amazing vocals, amazing playing, bad writing. And the problem I had with this one was, uh, apart from, you know, the other giant problems I just mentioned, <laughs> was... Kevin is like singing all over the intro. And it's like, dude, we know you can sing. Relax. Take it down a peg. Let the let the song breathe without you screaming all over it. 
and it it if that song could have been good, his his over singing ruined it for me on this one. If big if, yeah, big if, man. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so track ten, the final track, brackets. We were born to rock. Take it away. It starts do, off. Do, please do take it away. Take it away. <laughs> from me. I don't want to hear it again. But anyway, sorry. It, it starts <laughs> off for me. Take my wife, please. Uh, it, it starts off, and I'm like, whoa, is this like a real metal song? And then they changed it up. It's like, no, nah, we're not doing well. No, no, no. Back to let's just finish out this record and go to the pub. That's just how this one feels to me. Yeah, it's just more of the same. Hard rock, pop, metal, cheesy, big chanty gang vocal chorus rock. The solo is fine, pretty good, well executed, but meh. Although I would say right at the end, you've got this big drum fill, one of those extended, almost drum solo type fills. Um, and it's got this flanger effect on it, very reminiscent of um, Led Zeppelin. They used to do that sometimes on John Bonham's drums, and it's a Bonham-esque fill. And, I, and I'm thinking, yes, that there, that, 15 seconds or probably less is a highlight of the record you know just like type of thing with flanger effect on um but i mean look i'm i'm really trying i'm scraping it to find bits that i can uh, hang on to here um yeah it's just meh <sighs> yeah um i guess we can move into the sum up if we even need to sum this up um it, it's it's just one of those albums where a band hit it big on accident and they're struggling to reclaim that. They, this was their third album. So, and their second album. Hang on, it wasn't the third. Fourth. Fourth, fourth, fourth I'm album. sorry. It's their fourth album and their second and their third album was half of their second album. Because Quiet yeah. Right second, or Quiet yeah. Right 2, half of those songs ended up on Metal Health, the really good ones. Yes. So, this metal health had been written for, they had been writing metal health for six or seven years. And then they had to write this one in a year and it shows, it shows they didn't have enough songs to work with. And so you hope what they did was they ended up doing an absolute carbon copy of their first album. The problem that with the real problem with that was, at the same time they're doing this carbon copy, you have all you open they open the floodgates for the Sunset Strip. And then all and they were not they were never the best band on the Sunset Strip. So now yeah. you have this cascade of all these bands who can do this better than you. Doing yeah. just that. And you have bands like Iron Maiden, you have bands like Dio, you have bands like Metallica that are making waves. So the world is changing a little bit and you all of a sudden have gone from, you know, a number one contender to a third string replacement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that makes complete sense. And yeah, I, I agree, man. So I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, look, in terms of spin it or bin it, in terms of spin it or bin it, what's your verdict? Oh, I'm completely spin it. I love this record. It's bad. Okay. It's bad. Don't, I mean, you're not going to get any, uh, any, you're not going to get any smarter listening to this thing. And you're not going to get any inspiration on what to write listening to this thing. 
But it's kind of like stub your toe and listen to this, and it's fun. Okay, yeah, look, fair enough. I have to be in it. I just think there's so much better fun rock out there. Oh, yeah, yes, it totally is. Kind of fun, fun rock is not my favourite type of rock generally, but when it's done really well and it's just undeniably strong or when it's done with the right dose of humour in there, I can totally get behind it. This is not like that, and totally not. Uh, it just just unnecessary. There's so many better records that are in a similar vein. So for me, bin it. You don't need it. That slide guitar solo and that drum fill, you'll live without them. There are other slide guitar solos and drum fills that are even better. Um, the rest of it, no, doesn't work for me. That slide guitar really solo wasn't even any good. Well, there you go. Nick <laughs> So, no, I can't get behind it. I just, it just feels so forced, and the the fun isn't there for me because it's just so silly and so basic. And but it feels like they're just trying so hard and not quite getting there. They really want to be rock stars. They really want to write about those sort of themes. They just, they're not quite in that category. It's fun to me because. They don't know how to write the rock star songs. Yeah. So I know it's not supposed to be a joke, but if you take it as a joke, it becomes fun with his questionable yeah. behavior. Yeah, yeah. Look, I can see that. Yes. I mean, some of it I alluded to earlier could almost be Spinal Tap songs. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I can see that. Um, I'm still going to go bin it. But, no, that's but, fine. I'm I'm still yeah. gonna go spin it. I I will say, um, the whole time I had been thinking about how this album was a carbon copy of Metal Health. So after I finished listening to this one today, I put Metal Health on the turntable right behind it, and Metal Health is it, it's an attempt at a carbon copy. Metal Health is so much better. If you're if you're only gonna buy one Quiet Riot record, of course it's Metal Health. If you're gonna buy two, maybe this one. But I still say. I still say it's a fun, ridiculous time. And that's what I want from hair metal. Fun, ridiculous songs. And it completely, it's ridiculous top to bottom. No, it makes sense. If you really like that sort of really fun, throwaway um, hair metal, then yeah, I guess you probably will find something to like on here. My opinion is it, that style is done a lot better by other bands. So maybe don't bother with this one. I can there understand, you. but that's all I have to say this week. You got anything else? No, same here. No, thank you for listening. I did. I will say I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed talking about it more than I enjoyed listening to it. <laughs> but um, that's, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Hopefully we enjoy talking about these more than we ever enjoy listening to any of them. But that's just me being philosophical and enjoying our conversations. Indeed. And Indeed, indeed. Absolutely. With that, everybody, thank you for listening. We will catch you next week. Next week. Have a great week and have a great Halloween. See ya. Have a good one. <laughs>